Are we happy? Yes, we're even happier when you can hear, right? Let's stand together for just a minute and let's give God a great praise offering and say we're glad to be in the house of the Lord today. Today we are beginning what we are going to call, and you'll hear more about it, so keep your offering uh, folder, uh, or your, I'm sorry, your worship folder close to you, because on the back of it, uh, you're going to be hearing where we're going, and from now to Easter, uh, on a journey to Jerusalem, and all of you that are online, I know we had a little difficulty last week. But I want you to know that our tech people have worked all week long to make this the best experience it can be. So thank you for coming today. Thank you, those of you that are present with us today, and we're ready to worship the Lord. Amen? All right. Father, I pray today that you will bless our worship as we come to, to literally bring our praise and worship and we thank you today, and we come with an open heart in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. The Bible says, clap your hands and give a big shout as we Oh, 
Cause I know there is peace within your presence For I speak Jesus I just want to speak the name of Jesus Till every dark addiction starts to break
joining us at Capital City Church. Please check out our bulletin and fill out your connection card inside with your contact information, prayer requests, and praises. And then drop it in the offering as the ushers go by. Our evangelism studies with Jim Dack continues today. Please join us for our final session right after service. Thank you for supporting the ministries of Cass City Church. You can give online or by check or cash. See the back of the bulletin for more details. May God bless you and thank you for joining us today at Capital City Church. Please welcome Pastor David as we begin our new series, The Road to Jerusalem. you just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind but I want to just take a moment I just want to speak the name of Jesus over you with every head bowed every eye closed no one looking about just with an upraised hand say David I either have a fear I have an anxiety addiction, I have an issue, and I just need God's power today. Would you just slip your hand up, put it down. You don't have to hold it up any more. Would you just slip it up and put it down? God bless you. Now, Father, you have told us in your word that the name of Jesus is highly exalted. And there is no other name like this name. And so, Lord, as we come to you today, we just lift and speak the name of Jesus over every anxiety, over every fear, over every depression, over every discouragement, Lord, the evil one is doing all that he can in these days to distract and discourage your, your people. But we speak Jesus. Lord, there are those that are here in this place this morning and watching online that think in their mind and their heart that they can never be free from the chains of iniquity or depression or iniquity or or sin that seems to be too strong. We speak Jesus today. And in his name there is healing and there is life and there is power. Lord, I pray today and I speak the name of Jesus over our nation that is going through such difficult ordeals right now and it seems like that things are so confused and chaotic and, and we don't know who to believe and, and we don't know what to say or what to do. I speak Jesus over America today. Lord, you are the one that can bring healing and health and strength. Lord, we speak Jesus over the Ukraine today. Some of our dear friends that are there and those that are trying to escape, and those that are fighting for the dignity of their country. We speak Jesus. 
Lord, we recognize that all these things you predicted would come and you said, lift up your eyes, the end is not yet. But when you see these things beginning to take place, just like when you see the budding of the fig tree, you know that spring is nigh. And so it is when we see these things coming about that we realize that we're coming closer and closer to the great and climactic day when you'll take your children away. Lead us, I pray, today as we begin this journey to Jerusalem. Lord, I pray today that our hearts and minds will be turned to the cross and turned to Calvary and turned to an empty tomb. For truly we ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, It was the trip of a lifetime for my wife and I. It began when my dear and good and lifelong friend, Doug Carter, invited us to go to the nation of Israel with him on a mission trip. And after thinking and praying about it for some time, we decided that we thought that perhaps if we were ever going to do it in our lives, this would be the time to do it. So in 2018, we took the long flight from New York into Tel Aviv. We landed in Tel Aviv, Israel, and then we unloaded from the airplane and got on a bus. And we made our way in a bus up to the region of Galilee, and there is the city of Nazareth the city where Jesus grew up and where Jesus knew his boyhood days, where he worked with his father uh, as a uh, carpenter slash builder slash stone cutter um, in this little tiny village known as Nazareth. We went around the sites around Galilee. We saw the Sea of Galilee. We saw Capernaum. We saw the place where Peter was supposed to have lived with his wife, and many people feel that it was that very house where uh, people tore up the roof and let a man down, and Jesus looked and said, uh, your sins be forgiven you. We looked at uh, the, the hill that they said, that the Mount, uh, Mount of Beatitudes, that uh, where Jesus delivered his Sermon on the Mount. We saw all these different things, the Sea of Galilee, and then we began to make our way down the road, and, and we were kind of following the Jordan River. We got out of the bus, and, and everybody was looking around the Jordan River. Um, I don't know that any of our group was baptized. I do know this, that Connie put her feet in the Jordan River, in the Jordan River and little fish came up and tried to bite her. And uh, <laughs> But it was something to see. And then we drove a little farther and we came to the Dead Sea. Now the Dead Sea is as dead as it can be. Uh, first it killed the, the Israelis, now it's killing me. Uh, but it was, it is truly dead. Nothing go, it flows in, but nothing flows out. It's like a lot of Christians. They'll take in, but they don't give out and they wonder why spiritually they're not doing the way they need to do. But the Dead Sea is filled with salt, and some of our folks went down there. And the last word, the last word our guide told us was, don't get 
the, the sea in your eyes. Because if you get the sea in your eyes, it's filled with salt, and you won't be able to see it. Well, I don't know how many of you know Brett Layton, uh, but Brett Layton is a good, good friend of mine. He is now a Nazarene district superintendent. He's just a big kid to me. And uh, he goes running out there and immediately dives into the Dead Sea. And when he comes up, he looks like a blind man. <laughs> and he can't find his way out. And somebody had to go out into the sea and bring him back in. And uh, had to take him to the shower where he stood for a while to get the salt off. Uh, but we saw the Dead Sea. And then we traveled through the wilderness. And uh, any wilderness that you think looks like a wilderness around here, it's nothing compared to what that was, what the, the children of Israel wandered in, and what Jesus, we'll look at next week, what Jesus faced temptation in. I mean, we're talking about a place devoid of every kind of vegetation, every kind of thing, nothing but rock and sand. And then we began to go a little further. And I remember that Doug stood up and said, we are now beginning the climb. And we are going up to Jerusalem. You always wonder in Scripture why it says they go up to Jerusalem when actually Galilee is north. And you'd think if you're going to go north, you'd go north that way. But, but it's a mountain pass that you have to go through to get to Jerusalem. And as we made our way up that little windy road, Doug told us, that there'll be a tunnel. And when you come through that tunnel, you will see Jerusalem spread out before you. We played music, we sang, we prayed, and, and then it, things got very quiet on the bus. And as we headed into that tunnel, and then Doug said, I want you to know that you're going to be coming out on the other side of this tunnel and you will be on the Mount of Olives. And the likelihood is that what you see in Jerusalem is probably very close to the view that Jesus had when he was making his way down on the donkey for the triumphal entry. We came through that tunnel. And when we came through that tunnel, I can't tell you what it felt like to see Jerusalem, its gleaming walls, its towers, and of course things have changed since when Jesus walked there, but it's still the holy city, and it was the city, and we looked over Jerusalem, and we stopped the bus, and we all got out, and we began to read scripture, and began to talk, and began to say to each other, this is the city of Jerusalem, and this is what we have been looking for. This is what we have been and seeing, and we began to know that we were going to visit uh, the temple. We were going to visit Caiaphas's place. We were going to visit the Garden of Gethsemane. We were going to visit Golgotha. We were going to visit the Garden Tomb, but I want you to remember this one statement. This statement is this. We began... And as we prepared, we knew where the journey would lead. But we also knew where it would end. And it didn't, while it led to the cross of Calvary, it didn't end there.
I want you to know that it did not end there. There is an empty tomb. And so, as we begin to think and prepare for Easter Sunday, I really want us to take a journey together through Jerusalem, to Jerusalem. There'll be two kinds of a journey that I'm going to ask you to fulfill as we walk through this time. One is a journey through the scriptures, and I want you to walk with me and, and understand what the scriptures are saying as we follow the life of Jesus. And, and when in only six Sundays, we don't have time to go into all of it, but some of the great events that went on the journey to Jerusalem. But then there's a second journey, and we'll talk to you about it at the end of this message. A journey of ministry where, as a church, I'm calling you, I'm asking you, I'm challenging you, I'm pleading with you to take this ministry. And we're calling it a Power of One campaign, but it really, we're just going to call it Journey to Jerusalem so we don't get it all confused. Some of you may have been through this before and others may not. But I want you to know that during this time, from now until Easter, Ash Wednesday began 40 days until Easter. From now until Easter, you will have opportunities for prayer. You will have opportunities for service. You will have opportunities for outreach. You have opportunities to become involved in making Easter Sunday a great, great Sunday. How many believe God can help us to have a great Easter Sunday? I tell you what, I believe that God wants us to see this place full and running over. And I believe that God wants to lead us to the next era. I know some of you are all concerned about, will we ever get a pastor? Let me just tell you something. We're closer than you ever thought. And our group is working, and, and Scott Fisher's going to come up. And I have a, a private, private I don't know if we'll get there, but that you will be able to vote and we can introduce the pastor on Easter Sunday. Wouldn't that be a phenomenal thing? Let's give God glory. Let's give God glory. I'm not promising that, but I'm saying we're getting closer and closer. So don't get discouraged. God's at work even though you're not seeing it. God's doing good things. And so as we begin to think about this and making Easter Sunday, as we begin this journey, I want to begin today with the journey to Jerusalem begins. And this journey begins in two places. I'm going to speak to you first about Matthew chapter 3, and it's the baptism of Jesus. And if you have uh, your, your Bibles, we're not going to put it up on the screen yet, but if you have a Bible and you'd like to read with me, I'm going to read in Matthew chapter 3, and then we're going to see something. And uh, this is where John the Baptist was talking about Jesus. And here's what he said. He said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. This is John the Baptist. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand. He will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. 
And then this I baptize thee, having authority from the Almighty God, as a testimony that ye have entered into a covenant to serve him. I have need to be baptized of thee. Comest thou to me? Suffer it to be so now. For thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. I baptize thee having authority from the almighty God as a testimony that you have entered into a covenant to serve him. This is my beloved son in whom I am John, you see, had been preaching about him, and John, in his baptism, bore witness to who Jesus was. This journey to Jerusalem was just beginning. John bore witness that he is coming after me. I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He will thoroughly cleanse his people. He will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire, and he identified him, not in this passage, but in the gospel according to John. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Jesus was identified as to who he was. 
The Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove, and there was the witness. The Holy Spirit bore witness. This baptism and this person is unlike anyone or anything you have ever seen before. This is the Christ, and the Holy Spirit dwells on him. And then the Father, never before in the history of the world had they heard the voice of the Father. This is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. Jesus was identified that day forever as to who he was. And the disciples, as they would go on in their ministry, and after they followed after Jesus for three years, and after they'd witnessed the miracles, and after they'd seen all that went on, and then especially after the crucifixion, they began to go everywhere, and they began to identify Jesus as to who he was, and there was no doubt. They began to say, he's the master. If you're discouraged this morning and you don't know which way to go, trust him. He's the master. If you trust him, he will lead you through. He is the savior. If you're working with sin and feel like you can't get out of it, he is the savior that will save you and set you free. He is, if you're confused about all the different things, he is the teacher. He will teach you everything that you need to know. He is the bread of life. If you're hungry and the world has left you empty. He is the light of the world. If you feel that the world is so full of darkness, he is the good shepherd. If you feel that no one cares about who you are, he is the door and the way, the truth and the life that brings you to the Father. And no one comes to the Father but by him. He is also the resurrection and the life. If you've lost loved ones, if you're facing sickness in your life. He is the resurrection and the life. And he says, if you believe in me, you will never die. He goes on to say that he is the son of man. He is the son of God. He is the Christ. We're not just following some fable here. We're not just following some made-up idea in a land far away. And where people marry and everything was, they lived happily ever after. No, we're following the record of truth. And when Jesus was identified, he began after the years of growing up in Nazareth and Galilee, after the years of submission to his father and mother, after years of trying to learn and understand and be what a child would be at the age of 30, he finally realized this is the hour. This is the time. And he goes to John and John baptizes him and he says forever and for all time, this is Jesus. He's beginning this journey and this is who he is. Do you remember when Jesus said to Peter, he said to Peter and to the disciples, whom do men say that I am? Some of them said, you're Jeremiah, or you're Elijah, or you're one of the prophets, and others, they don't know. But then the third question, or the main question, the thorough question, I mean, but who do you say? Who do you say that I am? 
And Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And when we answer that, we have peace. That's why we can say, I speak Jesus, and there's anxieties that flee, there is failure that flees, there's confusion that flees, and that God brings us in a new part of our lives. Praise the Lord. And can I tell you this? That since those disciples, millions upon millions upon millions have been able to say, who is Jesus? Oh, he's the one that changed my life. Who is Jesus? He's the one that forgave me of all my sin. Who is Jesus? He is the Son of God. Who is Jesus? He's the one who lives inside of me. Who is Jesus? He is my dearest friend, my closest brother. He is my advocate, my helper. Who is Jesus? He is my soon coming king. He is the Lord of lords, the King of kings, and the Lord of glory. He, that's who he is. And he was identified that day in the baptism as who he was. Don't ever forget, on this journey, we're not making up our own journey as we go, we're following him. And we need to understand that. And then the journey to Jerusalem, after he went through the, the time of temptation, led back to the little city of Nazareth. And Nazareth is a very, uh, I don't think we have the, the real uh, picture of, of Nazareth today, but uh, they've got a little thing about, and they call it the Nazareth that Jesus knew. And you walk by the, the little scruffy streets and you walk by these little places. And this is what happened. After he had gone through temptation, he was still introducing himself. This, this was in the early part of the journey. He was saying, John the Baptist identified who he was. And then in this time, he begins to identify what he is going to do. And here's what it says in Luke 4. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And news of him went out throughout all the surrounding region. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And here he identifies not only who he is, but what he is going to do. And then this happens. He went straight to the synagogue. I saw him. 
reading from the prophets. The prophet Isaiah. Uh, who is who is our reader? Oh, yes, Moses. Yes, today, rather. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to give good tidings to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, to give sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Amen. Scriptures are fulfilled. Scriptures are fulfilled. He say fulfilled, but how can he dare to say such a thing? What do you mean? The prophecy you have read can only be fulfilled by the coming of the Messiah. Yes, right. By the coming of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God comes not in a way foreseen by men. Repent. And believe the good news. The kingdom of heaven. Behold. Is suddenly upon you. What? <laughs> Blessed is he who is not ashamed of me. Today, in our hearing, the scriptures are fulfilled. Emmanuel, sitting in that very place. And Jesus then begins to identify not just simply who he was. But then he begins to lay out on this journey to Jerusalem what he was called to do. The first thing he said was, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. May I just tell you that Jesus himself, though the son of God, his ministry was anointed by the blessed Holy Spirit and fulfilling the will of the Father. This was not just simply a good idea. This was not just simply his thought. This was not just simply something that he came on. He said, I want you to know that as the dove descended on me there in the Jordan River, that today the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And if there's any great things that happen, it's because the Spirit of the Lord is working in 
and around and through us. And I just want to say, as the church today, we have so many new things. I mean, we have technology, and I want to thank uh, Tom and Eric and, and Lisa and all the people who work literally all week. You have no idea how many hours. Um, those of you that are online, you have no idea. And sometimes you just come to church thinking this all happened. Uh, I mean, there's just so many things. But when we were down in Atlanta and we heard Dr. Benny Tate speak, they had music and they had smoke and they had lights and they had all this. And but he got up and said, I want you to know something. It's not the smoke. It's not the lights. It's not the music. It's not the instruments. It's the presence and the spirit of the living God. And may we always contend for the spirit of the living God in everything we do. Give him praise. Give him praise. And then he said, I have come to preach the gospel unto the poor. In my study in Ephesians on Wednesday night, some of you have been there, and I've told some others, if I would explain to you, and someone would say, David, what is the gospel? What's the Bible all about? It's not about mysteries, and it's not about artifacts, and it's not about trying to find your way into some mystery and trying to find some mystery that nobody can understand. It's not about that at all. This is what the gospel is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For the son of man did not come into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. If you know that one verse, you know the entire Bible. To preach the gospel to the poor. And then he said this, and I could stop here a long while. This, this next phrase has always, always intrigued me. That I am sent, he said, to heal the brokenhearted. Not to heal those that are broken in body, though we know he did, and we know he does. But he's talking about people whose lives are shattered. He's talking about people who have been destroyed in their lives, who have gone through terrible things in their lives, and their, their lives are shattered, and there is pain, and there is heartache, and they feel like their lives have been broken into a thousand pieces by the circumstances and, and the devil and other people and a, a thousand other things. But he said, I want you to know. I have come today to heal your broken heart. You don't have to go on shattered. You don't have to go on broken. You don't have to go on having your lives shattered in a thousand ways. Bill Gaither picked up this song and said this, something beautiful, something good. All my confusion he understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife. But he made something beautiful, <laughs> something beautiful out of my life. 
to proclaim liberty to the captives, those that are held captive by whatever it is, to recover the sight of the blind, and there's no one so blind as those who just will not see. They've closed their eyes. That's why we sing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Liberty to those who are oppressed and the acceptable year of the Lord. What does that mean? Just simply this. I've come to make the door so wide open that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be that's the acceptable year of the Lord. You don't have to have money. You don't have to have prestige. You don't have to have power. You don't have to have any of those things. The acceptable year of the Lord is just simply this. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The journey to Jerusalem. Now, let me just tell you that there is also a journey to Jerusalem, if you'll take on the back of, of your worship folder. And Cap City is beginning next week. We started on Ash Wednesday by calling different people to ministry. Some of you may or may not have ever been through what we call a, a Power of One campaign, but I'm going to give you the overview of what this is. Between now and Easter, there are six weeks, and the seventh is Easter. And so what is the, the journey to Jerusalem? How can you be a part of it? Well, first of all, beginning today, going to March 25th, we are having what we call a personal contact period. And I'm hoping many of you uh, will help in a lot of ways in this. And I've asked uh, Pastor Deb, uh, McKay, Deb, would you just stand right where you are? Uh, Deb, would you stand? And Pastor Deb is heading up this whole area, and here's what we're trying to do. We're going to be calling every person connected with this church for two reasons. One, to invite them to Easter. Now, I hope you're already making plans to be here. You know it's criminal not to go to church on Easter Sunday. You know, I mean, you get arrested for that. <laughs> not anymore, it's probably true. But number one, it is a person to invite them to Easter. And secondly, and here's why I want you guys to get involved. We're going to invite friends and we're going to ask friends and neighbors and people that we know and everyone we contact. Do you have anything we can pray with you about? You'll be a, you'll be a, 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 a literally um, surprised. If you'll just have enough courage to ask the waitress at the, at the restaurant, you know we're having a 24-hour prayer vigil. Is there anything we can pray with you about? I've asked that question to people in public settings. Is there just anything I can pray with you about? I've had waitresses, I've had grown men, I've had others look at me, and even though they might not have a thing about God, Oh, my mother's so sick. Will you pray for her? My child is so messed up. Would you pray for him? My life is so mixed up. I've got to make some... 
would you mind praying for me? And I tell you what, there was one time we were sitting in Chillicothe and a, a number of ministers were there. And this lady came up and she was waiting on us and waiting on us and, and she could tell by our looks. I think pastors have spooky looks and, and she knew that we were preachers. And so as she came up for one of the last times, I said to her, I said, I don't know if you know this, but we're all pastors. She said, yeah, I figured that out. Yeah, I knew that. I didn't want to ask her how she knew that, but we'll leave it alone. And uh, so then I said, you know, we're getting ready to pray. Do you have anything you would like for us to pray with you about? She starts sobbing in the restroom. And she said, oh, I have a son that is so far away. Would you pray for him? And she put her pad aside knelt down in the middle of the restaurant and let all of us pastors pray over her that day. Let me tell you something. If you ask a neighbor, I mean, we're going we're gonna to contact, I'm hoping and praying, and it's going to take a lot of volunteers to do this. We can do it if enough of you just help us. I'd like to go to every house. In, in this neighborhood and in this neighborhood here with two things knocking on a door and saying would you like to come to Easter Sunday Cap City and just so that you know I don't care how big Levermark gets they're a great church I don't care how big Grove City gets they're a great church I don't care how many other churches have they're a great church I believe there are a thousand people that in this city that God wants to have here in this church I believe that with all of my soul. We just got to find them, that's all. And I don't know where they are, we just got to find them. The second is that there's going to be a 316 mission. And we're having believers all over the world that on this day, it's March 3rd, 16, and we're getting little cards made up. So next Sunday you'll have them. You can just give them out and it'll have John 316 on the picture of the church. And it'll just simply say, God loves you and so do I. Take them. And then the next thing that's coming up, and I hope we'll take care of this. I hope we'll do this. If you've never been a part of this, you've missed a great blessing. And that is the 24-hour all-church prayer vigil. We're not asking you to come and spend 24 hours and everybody says, thank you, Pastor. You know, We're not asking you to do that. We're asking to find 24 people. And Miss Carolyn, Carolyn, would you stand in the back there? She's helping us with our prayer vigil. And she's going to be asking people. And we're going to have a big sign right over here. And it's going to be up next week where you can sign up for what hour you'd like to come. You say, well, Pastor, I've never prayed an hour in my life. I, I don't know how to pray an hour. Never, never fear. We have a little wheel that will lead you five minutes at a time. I had a guy who was a, an accountant, very, very few words. And he came to the prayer vigil for the first time at Brookside, and he said, I never prayed an hour in my life. And I said, well, Jerry, just take these requests. We're going to take all these requests and, and just pray for them and then look at the, the wheel. When we got done with the hour, he went out to the drinking fountain. He came back. He said, I can't believe it, but I'm not done. He said, i got to come back in and pray a little more. Don't worry about it. And it'll be here, and then as the hours go on, late in the night, 
Uh, it may or may not be unless we have Carl here or Carl Alexander or somebody that's watching out for us. Uh, but we'll give permission also just to from 12 to 6 if you want to do that to pray at home. But I just want to tell you that people, I've never been there at this time. That people who have been at the church that we've done this say that God always shows up at three in the morning. I don't have any idea why that is. All I know is what they tell me. And it'll be from 6 o'clock on Friday till 6 o'clock on, on Saturday. And then on Palm Sunday, we're going to have a great outreach. We've been talking about community Christ followers and talking about reaching out to your neighborhoods and, and reaching out to other people on April the 10th or that it can be Saturday, Friday, whatever day. But on that night, we're calling it a church outreach day, and I'm calling it either a neighborhood fellowship or friendship fellowship, where that you just get a few people that are not involved in church and a few people that maybe are, and you have them over to your house, or you have them at a restaurant, or you go to a park and say, we just want to have dinner. We just want to bless you. We want to eat with you. We want to get to know you. And then on Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, I am believing God. I'm asking you to bring somebody with you, at least one. Peggy Forby's not here this morning, but I remember when Grace did this many years ago that I was with Pastor Farron, and I said, Pastor Farron, how'd this work? And say, we see that lady over there? And I said, yeah. But she's disappointed. And I said, why? Um, she invited 42 people and only 27 of them came. I said, well, I said, you invite 27 people and 20 of them, two of them come, but prank the Lord, let alone 27. Let's do it together. And then we're going to rejoice. And then that afternoon, we're going to give out Easter eggs and, and Miss Deb is trying to help us uh, find out what it might be if we could Miss Deb lost your list somewhere along the line and uh, so um, anyway Miss Deb is trying to get a helicopter true to drop Easter eggs out by the outbuildings can you imagine how many kids we're going to have crawling around these grounds we haven't not promising that we're looking into it, and uh, and and uh, Deb said she'd be glad to take care of all the costs of all the helicopters. <laughs> she didn't say that. She didn't say that, but she is looking for people that'll help load up Easter eggs. Can you imagine if we're going out and telling people we're going to have a helicopter drop a lot of Easter eggs? Whoa, we don't need to do that to bribe kids. Oh, yeah, Jesus did. He served fish sandwiches, and they always came everywhere. I believe Easter is going to be a great day. So here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you just to take a commitment with me. I want to take this journey to Jerusalem. I want to take this. In the Scripture, I want to read of the life of 
and the ministry of Jesus. And if you want to know where we're going next week, it'll be uh, the temptation of Christ as the journey to Jerusalem begins to meet opposition. You saw the opposition began on the cliff, and you'll see it more. Take it with us and begin to, to tell Deb that we so want to understand what it means. And is Michelle Helen in here today? Michelle and Judy, are they, are they in here? She's, I thought I saw her go with the children. Judy, I know, is here. Judy, would you stand up wherever you are? Judy Kroom is also helping us with Community Christ followers. And it's our prayer that all over the city, People will say, I can have two or three people over that's, that's not saved. We can have dessert. We can have something. And we're going to get to know each other. Will you bow your heads with me for just a moment? Now, Father, as we begin this journey to Jerusalem as a church, I pray today that, Lord, that you will engage all of our hearts that from this Sunday until the great Resurrection Sunday that will turn our minds, our hearts, and our focus to preparing for your coming. And who knows, wouldn't it be a marvelous thing if on this Easter you decided to split the eastern sky and come again. We love you, Lord. Help us to be about your business and know that we love you today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Now, just before we dismiss, if there is anyone here that say, Pastor, I've come in with a heavy burden or I've come in and I really don't know how to have a personal relationship with Christ. I really want to know this God of heaven and God of glory, I want you to pray for me. Would you just slip your hand up and put it down? I'm not going not to embarrass you. I'm not going to embarrass you at all. Put it in their hands. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. So, Father, right now, thank you that you said, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so we just pray right now. We repent and say, Lord, I am sorry for my sin. We confess and say that, Lord, we know that we have sinned and we uh, receive and we come to that place of receiving you in, in Revelation 3.20 and we come to the place of confessing you as Lord and Savior. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Could we sing a verse of that about, I just want to speak the name of at, uh, wherever you want to hop in on that. And uh, then if you want to stand with me, I'll let you be seated just before we, I just want to speak the name of Jesus. And let's just, let's just sing it if we can and sing it. And we're not going to sing the whole thing. Just sing wherever you get started. All right, just go ahead. Sing it with us. I just want to speak the name of Jesus.
Now, as we move on to the remaining portion of this service, we thank you for every person who has joined us here in person and those who have joined online. Now, Lord, bless them. And Lord, I pray that as we end our broadcast today, that Lord, you'll bring people back on this journey to Jerusalem. For we ask it in Jesus' name and all God's people said, to come at this time and